0: hey hey hey
1: hey hey
0: so uh, i hate the news podcast episode three
1: yes been <clears throat> consistent three times we order. have
0: all right so um <clears throat> i'm eyes here's sarah i'm sorry if i'm like low energy right now but this is what you get <laughs>
1: great
0: <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's eyes and sarah in episode three and here we go i guess Um, what have you been
1: up to? Um, so (laughs) I have a lot of feelings right now. Um, Feelings? And those feelings are, one, I'm not going to take too much time to make fun of the mid-Atlantic for their handling of the snow. Um, Oh, right. I will say Mm. that um, my kid has not been in school for three days now because um they closed it due to extreme cold and that's right um it's 22 degrees my friend right
0: degrees. what is what is that what is that in celsius
1: uh it's negative five
0: wow that's <laughs> uh, so funny to canadians
1: <laughs> i know and like it's very frustrating to me um but, like, I just, I'm, I'm trying to, like, be cool and not be, like, that person, like, that Northerner who, like, constantly brags about how good they are at, like, being miserable in the cold. Right, you know? right. Because cause you're
0: actually, you've been in New York and stuff.
1: Wait, like, that's, like, it's like people who brag about being tall, right? Like, why? <laughs> <Damn>. So, um, <laughs> it's not like, a skill that I have. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, uh, I'm just trying to, like, take the time to, like, just enjoy having to slow down, which you know how good at that I am. Yeah, um, but well, I mean, uh, as a result of that, I've been just like kind of hanging out at home uh, mm-hmm. and reading, and so I finally decided to take the time to read Wuthering Heights. Um, oh, uh, I know yeah. where this is going. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so
1: when, I went, on a Twitter rant about it um, because I fucking hate this book.
0: Like, I'm I actually surprised I, for some reason. I thought you would like it. Like, I mean, I haven't read the book. I've only seen the. Uh... I've seen, like, two adaptations of it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, whenever I watch them, I'm always kind of like, why is this a classic? I mean, yes. the, way, the, the way they're done is really, they're done really well, the adaptations, and I like the movies, but I'm always kind of lukewarm on them.
1: My, so my thing with it is that, like, I read Jane Eyre when I was, like, 12 years old. Um, right. I actually was pulled into my eighth grade teacher, um, her office, and uh, her name was uh, Miss Clark. And she was, like, super cool hip teacher, and she's like, dude, like, are you allowed to be reading this? Because this is, like, some heavy shit. And I was like, yeah, no, like, my parents don't let me watch TV because they're, like, really, like, intense religious people. So, but oh, I love right. Jane Eyre. Um,
0: Which is so bizarre. Go on. And, and
1: <laughs> so I thought that I would really love Wuthering Heights because, you know me, like, I yeah. love, like... A Superficially,
0: movie. they seem similar.
1: Right. And, like, I love me, like, a moody, dark-eyed, brooding male mm-hmm. lead, right? So right, right. this, this like on paper, uh, seemed right in my alley. But these people are assholes, all of them. Like they yeah. have no redeeming qualities. Like I, I can't.
0: Is it the is it the one with the girl, and then she goes and lives with that guy, and then he's abusive.
1: Yes. So and then she
0: leaves and lives with another family, but then that family is also kind of weird.
1: I don't. I don't know <laughs> what you're explaining. Um, I, think, I, <laughs> I think, think I'm
0: explaining, like, three movies of confuse confused with Wuthering Heights. <laughs>
1: okay, so um, in, in Wuthering Heights, you have uh, Catherine and her brother, and then their dad kind of adopts this, like, uh, dark-haired, you know, not English... Uh, Maybe I'm thinking of Jane Maybe
0: okay, Go on, yeah. Um,
1: and he becomes kind of, like, their fake brother, like... She and he gets along really, really well with her growing up, and like everyone else is really mean to him because he's like a dark haired weirdo, whatever. And um,
0: I just realized I haven't seen this or, or read it.
1: No, I'm, okay. I'm
0: confusing it with something else. Yeah, go on.
1: Uh, so they grow up together, Kathy and and um, and the male lead, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, just a whole fold. Um,
0: um, in the new one. Oh, you're, just, you're talking about the book. Sorry, um, the male lead. I'm actually looking it up on IMDb right now. Is it Heathcliff?
1: Yeah, yeah, Heathcliff. Um, yeah. And I get all their boring white names confused. Anyway, so Heath, Heathcliff, uh, our tall, dark, and brooding male lead. Like at first, you kind of feel for him because he's like this like young, like chap, and he's you know real yeah. sad, and everyone's mean to him, and so like you feel for him. But then as he grows up, like Cathy is just like a brat from day one. But my father is an asshole. Oh. And then they eventually, I guess, like, fell in love, like, fall in love. Like, Kathy, like, kind of loves him, and he loves is, her. And then,
0: what's and the he, plot? Is that the plot?
1: Yeah, no, the plot is that, like, she okay. marries someone else, and then he, like, gets all stroppy about it, and, like, marches off and comes back all rich and, like, handsome, but he's like an abusive asshole, and then he marries... Right. He ma- like, the whole thing is just, like, fucking white people, like, marrying each other... Like right. pretending that they're sick when they don't get like what they want like more like, white people problems Yes no like so
0: <laughs> that attends white people problems last
1: <laughs> night I got to this point where like the one character Kathy was like trying to manipulate both men, namely like her husband um, right. into uh, into believing that she was going to die of starvation. Um, because she's like a soap or something. So upset. And I'm like, wait, so you're trying to convince your husband that you're dying of starvation because you fell in love with your brother? Like, what kind of white shit is this? Like, I feel like this doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is, it's not relatable.
1: No, it doesn't happen in like other, in other books. I'm like, there's none of these characters like have redeeming qualities. They're all just like what? selfish, vain, terrible people. And so I'm like, wait, maybe it's not just me like i couldn't tell if like i just wasn't relating to the characters or if they're poorly written like i don't yeah know. see
0: i don't know cuz I, I was confusing it with i think uh, uh Jane, with, R. With Jane
1: Eyre with Jane okay
0: yeah i was cuz there's a version with Michael Fassbender i think that was that came out a couple years ago that i really liked but i was still lukewarm on, but this is a totally different thing
1: um
0: there's yeah. a movie that just came out uh, withering heights i think last year or a year or two ago mm-hmm. oh no it was a while ago 2011 my bad um but the lead was it Heathcliff? Yes. It's actually a black kid.
1: Interesting. Okay. So you know what I'm
0: saying? They play up the dark brooding, the thing that you were talking about? Yeah. They just turn it into an actual, like, skin color thing.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. I was kind of curious about that one.
1: I mean, that might, that might be worth, worth looking into, but then he'd still be an asshole. Like that. Yeah,
0: he'd still be her brother.
1: Like, that's the thing, is that he'd still, like, be her brother, and he'd also...
0: This still creepy.
1: He'd also, like, marry her sister I feel like, and abuse the shit out of her. So, like, I don't... I just... Yeah, I hate it. I
0: feel like, I feel like we're hating on, like, a classic, and a bunch of people are going to be like, what are you doing?
1: Well, you know, I asked Twitter. I was like, listen, because, like, I have friends who really, really love this book, and so I was like, okay. man, like, I need to read it, because, like...
0: If any of your I, friends are listening, can they like send us a message and tell us why they like it, or like, why they like leave a it, voice like, message why, or something?
1: Why is this considered a classic? Because like I mostly read like a lot of Eastern European, Russian, Polish, German literature, and like this right. kind of shit does not go down in it, which is
0: not because at this point, is if nobody convinces other? us that it's good, like if none of your friends can convince us that it's good, like I'm never gonna read it.
1: I also want to stop reading it. Like I'm actually past the point where I'm <laughs> oh. reading it. Like and so now, now to the.
0: Somebody has to convince you to continue now.
1: Well, like, yeah, like, I never read a book. Like, and also, like, I do enjoy the occasion. Guys, come on.
0: Sarah needs help. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I want to at least understand, at the very least, I'm not going to like it, but I, I want to at least understand why it's considered... Right. Awesome. Because I can't even see the good writing in it. Like, these people have depth it. of character. Like, they're just, like, very, like, one dimensional to me right now. So. Just
0: looking it up on the internet, and, like, I mean, if, I've heard of it before, but looking it up on the internet and hearing you talk about it, I'm pretty sure I'm never going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. <laughs> so, unless somebody comes up with a really good reason for me to read it, for you to finish it, like, I don't know. Wait,
1: you know, like, <laughs> what, like somebody was telling me the other day that you can, like, you can read wide or you can read deep. And, like, I read really deep into, like, the, the things that I'm really passionate about. Right, right. Um, and, and I've talked about them before. So I was like, man, maybe I really do need to go back and, like, read a lot of the kind of classics in English literature. Right. Maybe this wasn't the best one to start with, though, because now I never want to read another thing written by a white person. <laughs> like, ever. <laughs> like, enough sibling, like, hate marriages and shit like that. Like, let's just not do that. Um, mm,
0: I hear you. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: So yeah, that's that's what I've
0: been doing uh, with my with my snow days. Um, what about you? What about uh, you <clears throat> Honestly, just kind of stuck at home because of the snow. I'm. Uh, what you were saying earlier about you guys having that uh, negative five emergency. Um, <laughs> it's funny because like I told you, I was in in DC once and I was at a wedding, and there was all these like older guys and they were huddled, huddled around and they were like telling a story. So me and my dad and my brother kind of like, you know, we, we just had arrived at the party. So we kind of, you know, walk up behind them. We want to know what they're talking about. Cause it was like, something happened, you know? Right. And they, and so we kind of like stand up behind them. We hear this guy talking about how this morning, cause it had been like a, uh, uh, they declared a state of emergency. I think it was also like negative five or something, you know? Oh my God. And so he's like, this morning I was driving up this hill and, and they all listen and he's like, one of my tires, it spun. me and my brother looking at each other like what's the punchline?" because like like, all of our tires spin all the time
1: (laughs) yeah like like i don't know a canadian like tire that has ever actually touched like the road
0: at least not in the winter you know
1: no yeah it's like always on a sheet of ice
0: exactly like that's like when i drive i am taking into account all of my tires constantly spinning like i like that's how my brain works you know that's
1: how you get from point a to point b
0: so so that was funny my dad started laughing too and you know he didn't say anything but you know then at the same time we were like It's what you said earlier too, like off the podcast. Is that DC is just not prepared for this? You know.
1: Yeah, I don't. I feel like you guys don't
0: have the uh, like you guys don't have the infrastructure that we have when it comes to like just cleaning up the snow and how fast it happens. You know.
1: Right. No, because like we also have to account for like you know having having money in the budget for like hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff. Like you don't just like just
0: like we wouldn't be like earthquake earthquake proof. You know.
1: Exactly. But but in
0: LA, a lot more stuff would be insured for that and everything. But um, yeah. but yeah. So I, I've been stuck inside because the weather's been so bad, and it's actually like negative seventeen. It's been colder than that too. So I think it's one of the worst winters ever.
1: Yeah, like I. It's funny. I, I'm just I've I'm gotten, just talking
0: shit, by the way. I don't know if it's one of the worst ever. It just feels like it.
1: <laughs> I've gotten a little soft down here. Like I feel like my my New York winters and my Canadian winters were so cold uh, before, mm-hmm. but like I'm here now and I'm like, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little chilly.
0: You're a little chilly, yeah. No, it's, 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 I mean, you're lucky you're not here. It's terrible right now. You go outside and just your face falls off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, I've been stuck at home. Um, I had the kids for a bit. Uh, My boy was telling me this funny story about being at home and he's like 15. So his mom left him at home one night with his sister in there. I think his mom was out late or something. And, um, and, uh, he heard a noise downstairs and they're living in a mm-hmm. new house, so he goes. He goes downstairs slowly, like kind of freaking out, like "What the hell?" And the front door is like slightly open, so he's like, "That's weird." So he closes it, you know, and then goes back upstairs, but like freaking out because it's night. It's at night and it's dark, and you know he's young. Yeah,
1: and no, that, that, made, that would scare
0: me. So yeah, me too. And then he hears the noise again, like somebody's knocking, and he goes downstairs, and the front door is open again, right? And Zen's telling me the story, and he's like, I'm freaking, I'm, I'm like kind of nervous, so I'm walking, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, who, who am I going to hit, like, how am I going to hit this, if there's somebody in here, like, you know, all those, all those things are going through his head, and he goes, suddenly I realize, wait a minute, I'm not tough, and he, go, <laughs> and he goes, and I just yell out, I'm like, listen, our room's in the back, and we're like just waiting, so can you just come and kill us fast if there's somebody here?
1: <laughs> Bless his sweetheart, poor baby. He's just
0: like, look, oh. if you're going to kill us, just do it fast, because like, I'm not going to fight you. <laughs>
1: Like I'm like just I'm just like a kid, man. Like he's like,
0: <laughs> yeah. He just skipped right to the end. He's like, look, if this is gonna be bad, just do it. Just do it.
1: And it's like, <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not putting up any defenses. Just and of just course,
0: it was nobody. It was just like the door was a little ajar, and like the wind blew it open or something. But you know, as a kid, oh. you freak out. But it was just a funny story. It reminded me of my son, like that's just that's his personality. Just like you know what, if this is the end.
1: Yeah. He's like the funniest. <laughs> person on my instagram like yeah. that i follow and it's so weird it's, to me because it my it's mind just... is still
0: eight years
1: old what and we met when he was like
0: oh yeah 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 yeah. no he's no it's weird for me too because like right now every time he comes over he's like has his growth spritz he's getting bigger i'm sure this yeah. interests a lot of people though so let's move on <laughs> <laughs> so i was watching uh i was watching uh, fast and furious just before you called why it was just I put stuff on in the background that's like stupid that I don't care about because then it's okay. <laughs> because because then some movies playing in the background and I'm doing work so when I look up I see like a movie and it reminds me to stay kind of like in that creative headspace but like it's not so cool that I'm paying attention you know what I mean. So yeah, no, I, I
1: remember I remember like the entire month of November like October two thousand fifteen um, when you and Martin and I would work, oh, right, yeah. we just were watching like that uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh yeah. Like, all day every day for like three weeks and i was like why the fuck that's is right because like, i was into
0: that so badly yeah no but Fast, fate <laughs> uh, fate and the furious which is what it's called <laughs> fate and the furious oh God, which is the number eight
1: it is. <laughs> um, it's it's like land of uh land before time now there's just like so many of them I'm
0: like, right, it's is- exactly like, i think fast and furious might even be one of the longest running franchises ever like i think when we were kids police academy was like the ridiculous one that went on forever and now it's, now it's like Fast and Furious. But what's weird is like if you're a Fast and Furious fan, the movies are actually like they deliver. Do you know what I mean? They're not bad. But um, I'm not a huge fan. I like the first movie a lot because it's actually a decent movie. But after that, I tuned out. But anyway, my point was I was watching Vin Diesel, who's like the main character in it. And okay. like if anybody's seen this movie who's listening to this, can you please confirm that like is it just me or am I noticing like digital makeup all over our lead actor here? It was so bizarre. It looked, it looked like somebody had, like, just slightly sculpted him a little bit and, like, had removed, like, some wrinkles and just the bags under the eyes. And, like, I've been noticing in a few movies. I noticed it in Tom Cruise in, uh, in The Last Mission Impossible.
1: So it was, like, the Snapchat filter, but, like.
0: I yeah, it's, it's like a million-dollar like Snapchat filter, yeah. which, I think is, which I think is part of their, like, uh, their packages. So, like, if Tom Cruise is signing onto a movie, you know, his agent might negotiate digital cleanup as part of his package.
1: I want a digital cleanup for, like, walking around, like, the city.
0: Right. i so
1: cool. am <laughs> <laughs> sure that apps
0: coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's really bizarre. Like, and, and I'm wondering if I'm just, like, because sometimes I wonder if I'm just projecting. I'm like, oh, the Diesel's getting old. Oh, they must have done some cleanup and this and that. But, like, I swear there's something, like, wonky about the image. Like, something, you know what I mean? I can just pick up that, like, something isn't right.
1: Interesting. This like, is, just, like, something false, like, in his Yeah, something,
0: right? something, like, he looks young and healthy, but it looks like... Maybe
1: he's like going smoothies, dude. Let him
0: live. No, you, when you see... It's, it's the same thing that you notice. It's, like the, it's almost the same thing that you notice when you see, like, an Instagram photo and somebody's, like, smoothed it out a little bit. Okay. But you can... You, you, I mean, you're, you don't know... It's not like it's so obvious, but you can feel like, okay, this is, there's something fake about this.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Okay. And I'm wondering if I'm the only one. I'm sure, like, a regular uh, audience member who doesn't care would probably just be you know obviously it works right, right. but uh but to but, me, like, to me it looks so benjamin button what
1: you like you're you look for those things because like you're a director
0: no i'm i'm wondering if i do like i'm wondering oh, if i look okay. for it or if it's just one because i'm also like have a really sensitive eye right mm-hmm. so or if anybody else i'm pretty sure it's a thing because i've heard people talk about it and i'm wondering if this is what they're talking about and uh yeah, it's just weird. It's like, it's like the character has a bit of a glow to them. I don't know. Anyway, anybody listening? Anybody else notice this, or am I going crazy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> let let Vin Diesel live.
0: Yeah, and Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise. Well, he's he's
1: a little bit of a weirdo. We can make fun of
0: him. So yeah, that was, that was, me, that was me, and I guess that was you. Yeah, um,
1: that's, that's where we're
0: at right now. It's the holidays. Everybody's stuck at home, so it's like nothing super exciting. Um, and I guess today's hey. topic... Yeah, you want to say something else?
1: I was just, I was going to ask if you were, like working on any projects right now because we're talking about editing today. So I wasn't sure there was like anything like you're in the thick of. lately like, you're like
0: no, because I just stopped the uh, daily. I was doing a daily music project and I just stopped that because I hit number I hit hundred maybe uh, last week. Yeah, and so I took uh, decided I want to take a week or two off before I even decided, not decided, but until I like dove into the next thing. And okay. um, I know I kind of know what I'm going to do. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not ready to talk about it. It's something I haven't done before, but um. Uh, yeah like I need that to, I, you know what part of me wants to jump into it right now like I've been kind of itching to jump into the project but I know that like a week or two off from everything will just give my brain that little bit of like you know uh, defrag and then when I go into the next project it'll be uh, I'll be ready.
1: One of Penny, Hemingway's uh, kind of tricks for writing mm-hmm. um, is to like stop mm-hmm. in the middle of a sentence like because he had like a daily practice. So okay you know, yeah yeah out. And that um, he would always stop in the middle of whatever he was kind of getting excited for a sentence. Um, He would stop and then make himself wait 24 hours to come back to it. And for me, that seems barbaric because I just want to get through. Oh, I used to do that. And get it out. But for him, it was like, no, I need my brain to, like, kind of continue to to think over even subconsciously. Yeah.
0: And the is work it, and, then, it's, and then sit back down on the page. It's a cool trick. I bet a lot of writers do it. I used to do it. I still do it, to be honest. Like if I'm writing, you can only do it with like long form stuff. So if you're writing a screenplay, you just, you know, when you get really excited, you start getting the flow, and you're like, right in the middle of that awesome scene. But you have, you know, you love this scene, you know, mm-hmm. that's when you stop. Like you, you make that the end of your day. And then what happens the next morning? Instead of being all like, you know, oh, I don't know if I want to write. You're actually excited to go and finish the scene because you know exactly how it's going to be finished. Uh, and then what like, happens is it motivates you to the next day and all these other ideas come in. Plus, you've had that evening, and that'll like, give you enough to like, maybe even go back and fix a couple of things. Just, you know, your brain will just come with new ideas. But I think that's something he was probably doing. He was probably motivating himself to like, okay, y- this is awesome. Come back tomorrow. You have a fresh take on it. Plus, you'll have- come with all this momentum.
1: That makes sense. I think for me... Like, Which,
0: by the way, it gets us into the topic. Gone. Let, i mean you you can continue but this is our topic it's like yeah know, how do you uh how, what's kind of our topic our topic is like editing rewriting the second draft of anything music yeah, yeah the second draft music so like Coming po- back
1: to like
0: yeah cuz last week last week was like how you finished like that first draft or whatever right yeah mm-hmm. and um or you know how you get started and all that but now let's talk about once you have that like first thing that you did you have a rough draft like that vomit draft or whatever it is like um you know, what is the second thing? And, 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 you know, music is different than poetry, and poetry is different than movies and books and so forth, but we can cover it all kind of. We'll just cover it basically, and then we'll maybe even give a couple of details of different uh, formats. Okay. So, yeah, um, I think where I kind of wanted to start, I don't know if you want to start anywhere, but I wanted to start with, um, I think the simplest thing is, like, a lot of people, when they finish their first, their, their, their first draft of anything, because they've put so much work into it, it's kind of like um, they feel like this is it, you know? And they don't necessarily want to do a second draft. It's not everybody. Like, I think the professionals know. They're way past this. They know you got to do second drafts. But we're kind of talking towards, like, people that are getting started and maybe struggling a little bit. And um, what is the point of a second draft? And what should you do in a second draft? And, you know, whether it's poetry, music, or film, or whatever. And we'll get into that. So what I wanted to start with uh, is the idea of your first draft is never good. And it's true. And it's like I almost kind of like – Put it in quotations and, like, put it up on a wall somewhere, you know? Like, I actually did that for a while. I didn't have it up on a wall, but I had it up on my desktop, uh, my back, uh, what is it, this, the, the wallpaper mm-hmm. for a couple, couple years back when I started. Because it's really hard to, like, remind yourself that there's a lot of work to do. So, no matter how excited you are about that first draft, if you can just remind yourself that first draft is never good, you know? Um, you know, yeah. unless you just got lucky and you just wrote something you channeled and said, okay, this is perfect. But that's so rare. Don't even think like that.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's always like the thing that you think that is like perfect. The first go around is almost always not yeah. that it's always the thing that like,
0: can almost all, always, always be improved.
1: Yes. Someone else will come to you and be like, no, do not touch this. And like, I would see that a lot in, uh, in when I was uh, taking all my painting courses and cause there was one time I had, um, a kid, an oil painter in my mm-hmm. class next to me. And, uh, he had his canvas and he kind of threw something up on it really quickly. And my, our professor came by and he was like, do not touch this. it's done. And he's like, but, but right. why? the professor actually explained to him like, okay, here's, here's, you know, what you've ended up with here and here's why it works and why you shouldn't touch it and whatever. But like that happened once in my entire six years of studying art, mm-hmm. like, you know, it and happens
0: so, and it'll, ha- it's probably happened to you too. You've probably written something which just come out. Maybe you change a word or two, but you're like, that's kind of perfect. But, but those things, when they happen, they just happen. You don't even have to think about it because when that happens, it's not an issue. It's not a problem. It'll just happen. And it's a gift from the universe. You know what I mean? Yes. Like,
1: yes. But that's, but that's usually, not how you can,
0: that's not a practice.
1: Usually when you think that you're done, it's because you're just being lazy. Exactly. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, or, or you've put in like, I think, I don't know if we talked about this in last episode, if we talked about it off podcast, but it was the idea of like, you know, you put in so much work that. That uh, you, you don't you, want to do it anymore. Yeah, you feel like so tied to the work that you did, invested that you just don't want to put in anymore.
1: Which is which, and also like I think a lot of times with writing, especially, um, when you go in and you start editing, sometimes you can lose if if you don't do it the right way. You, you rework a sentence too much. You you,
0: know, you can that's... lose the original intent or the vibe or whatever it is.
1: And yeah, and then once mm. it's gone, it's gone. And so I think there is that fear, like you lose the soul yeah. a, a little bit when you go That's in, why... in, into some editing. And,
0: um... Well, this, this, this is a thing that I wanted to say was that just like if you... So the idea of in your first draft is never good, but I think a lot of people struggle with how do you get perspective on the second draft. Mm-hmm. And I think something we mentioned last time too is just like if you can just write a first draft and just trust that you know you need some space from it and just put it away for like a day or two, the longer you can, the better. And then when you come back to it, you'll suddenly all, what you were saying, I think if you do a rewrite right away, it becomes like you don't have enough perspective and you're going to, you might fuck something up. Right. Yeah. But if you do it three or four days later, you come back and you can very clearly see what's working and what's not. Yes. So it's actually a good way I, to get some perspective. I know that
1: what I tend to do is because I work, I think with poetry, you, a lot of us work with, with metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'll usually do my first draft, and it's always bad. It's always bad. Um, And I used to not think that. Like I used to think that, like you know, I was like really super arrogant about it. I didn't think I was being arrogant, but I was like, no, like it's the truest, it's the truest form it could possibly be. Like as soon as it comes out, yeah, yeah. Um, And you were kind of like, no, like this is not very good, but it has good bones, but like you know, it's not fleshy enough.
0: I think I think uh, I said this last time too. It's like what thing I always say is like. It is good, but it could be even better. Right. And why would um, you not make it even better?
1: And so what I do is I kind of go back, like I've been, I've been working like most recently with um, like fables, mm-hmm. um, like cultural fables, cultural stories, uh, constellations. And so after the rewrite of something that kind of touches on those subjects, I'll mm-hmm. just go in, you know, the next day or then over the next few days and reread yeah. Um, like Norse mythology or just like the Wikipedia page on like various Greek gods. And okay. Like, that. like it's research.
0: Right. And yeah, instead, it always is.
1: Instead of writing, like I maybe I'll write a haiku or something kind of short. Just uh-huh. to get that daily practice. And so, you're in. saying
0: instead of doing a second draft or something?
1: Yeah, like right away. Yeah, yeah. right away. Yeah. Um, because research is part of the writing process. Like the writing process is not just putting words on paper because um, you're never going to find better words you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, for me, reading a lot of things that are written in translation because they pick words for things, to describe things that I would never use, um, mm. kind of gives me... A different some, way to look at something. Yes, to look at mm. the same thing. I'm like, oh, I would never have described something that way.
0: Um, I, I think I do something very similar where like, I mean, you you, you you mentioned it earlier, is like putting movies on in the background that I do and stuff. It's like with the sound off, but what mm. it is is when I look up, I think that's what I was trying to say earlier about putting on, like, Fast and Furious is that if I'm working and I look up and I catch something, it's Mm -hmm. subconscious. But, like, I might catch a shot that's, like, overhead where they're, like, tracking the cars, but they're, like, you know, a bird's eye view.
1: Yeah.
0: But I never would have thought of making my script bird's eye view or, like, some scene. And then it'll make me go, that's an interesting thing. It has nothing to do with Fast and Furious. It just has to do with the fact that, like, it jogged my brain to think a little differently. I'm not even paying attention to the movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or I see a car that might be an interesting model to use in my script. And it's just little things. And, and it's not always fast and furious. It'd be like, I change it up all the time. So right. that's the way I try to jog it up. It's kind, of, uh, it's kind of similar to what you're saying. But it's not poetry, obviously.
1: Yeah, just kind of like, it, it's research. Yeah, it's like you're going into whether it's, it's your medium or a different medium or a different kind of story. And um, you're just absorbing all of that. And, and also, like, going through and, and combing through it. Mm-hmm. Um, because... I think a lot of times with poetry, because people think it's easy, you get a little bit lazy with your metaphors and you get a little bit mm. lazy with your stories. And like, when that's so
0: similar talking, to comedy.
1: Yeah. I can, I can see that. I can see that. Cause like, you just go for like, what's,
0: yeah, what's
1: you, the you... immediate result, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, but for me, like if you're only going to work with 30 words, you better have the best words possible. Right. And if that means like, spending an afternoon like combing through the thesaurus like then that's what you need to do that's interesting use it in this poem but you might use it in another one Um, or that's really cool because like falling through a wikipedia rabbit hole
0: yeah it's cool because like you know when you think of poetry or you read poetry i mean i know you so like i've seen behind the scenes and stuff but in general you everything you're talking about is not something that like i'm aware of when i'm looking at poetry you know and so it's like it's like having you talk about it makes me realize that, oh, it's just a craft. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, I know this, but, like, and I've seen you do it, but to hear you talk about it, I'm like, oh, like, it's not that glamorous as, as you might think. Oh, it's a poet, they sit with a candle on, and they just, you know, it just all comes out, you know?
1: Yeah, no, there's definitely, like, a little I mean, bit. I there's that, too, of, but. There's a labor in it. Like, I think sometimes, like, I'll get, like, emails from people, it's like, oh, how did you come up with this one or that one? And I want to be like, dude, I don't. I'm not just, like, an endless well of, like, greek mythology yeah like i don't just like have these like quotes and, and no it's podcasts. exactly
0: the same as filmmaking and music everybody just assumes that you're this well and you can just do it anytime but it's like actually hard work like you have to you have to fill up that well again
1: you know well like i am the most so i actually hung out with um with a writer friend that i i met once upon a time um like a few years ago and then uh we're like running kind of the same circles online and okay. met up and uh had, Coffee the other day, he was like in in DC, right? And when he left, he was like, "You're a lot ruder than I thought that you would be." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, 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 I concur.
1: Yeah, no, and I think, and I think it's because like you, maybe like when you, especially when you're like a poet, like in a female poet, like mm-hmm. you kind of have this like
0: what we project.
1: where there's this stereotype that like you're soft and feminine, and then when you read my work, like it tends to be like you know.
0: Introverty like, yeah. and yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and like it, it touches on a lot. You don't of, expect
0: like, you to have to, you don't expect to meet you and you're like fiery and like,
1: <laughs> right, no, and which like, you are, yeah. So, like, you're reading all these like poems about like constellations in the night mm-hmm. sky or like whatever, and then you meet me and I'm kind of this like slightly abrasive New Yorker. Um,
0: well, isn't, isn't that how all art is though? Like, you know, we have artist crushes all the time, and then like, you know, once you really dig into the artist, you find out more about them. You know, you start to realize that oh, they're just a person, but you projected all this like who you thought they were.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not just like sitting around like reading Shakespeare all day. Like, I'm, I'm a little prickly. Um, yeah.
0: And
1: like, and I'm. I'm loud. working on
0: my second draft, man.
1: <laughs> my second draft of like my personality. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm, I'm still editing it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, second draft rules apply to anything, life, personalities. <laughs> it's true. I
1: Write out this character uh, myself. Uh, she's she's not very nice. Maybe, maybe I'm a little bit too much like uh, those assholes in Wuthering Heights. Maybe that's why I don't like them. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe there, maybe there's a book in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, probably. Probably.
0: Uh, okay, so uh, I thought one of what, are our... what did ahead. you say? Go ahead, you ask something.
1: I was going to ask, like, what are your um? Do you? What are the reasons you do a second draft? Because like with poetry, that's a good question. Yeah, I have. Um, I have, like, a second, you know, go-round on kind of each poem, and then some poems, like, the second go-round is the final one, and then other ones, I know there's going to be a third, or possibly a fourth, and there are different reasons for that, but I'm curious, like, what the process for that is.
0: Um, Well, I think I I talked about this uh, a couple episodes ago, um, and I said that I do this vomit draft, right? Mm -hmm. And so, my second draft usually is really just, like, okay, now you got to clean this thing up and make it presentable. Right? And... And at the same time, I'll sit down and look at all the problems with the script and try to fix things. And really, it's not just on making it presentable, it's actually taking it to that step where it's like a good story and it all works, you know? Right. And, um, and I, I actually, I think I'll go into it and break it down. Like, I'll start with screenplays. And like, with a, with a screenplay, like, the first time when I write it, I'm really just, I have like an idea. It's almost like a fever dream and I kind of just got to get it out, you know? And then the story's all there. And then on the second draft, what I'm really doing is like, I'm like tracking logic, I'm tracking... Um, you know, does everything make sense? Are there any huge plot holes? Um, cause minor ones, I'm not, a, I don't, it doesn't really matter. I can always deal with them later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the big ones that I look for. And then I look for like, are the characters consistent? Like, cause one of the worst things is like when characters say things that are out of character and, and as a writer, you don't always realize cause sometimes you're trying to get them to say things that you want them to say, but it may not be in character. And so I do that. Like, so I think that's actually a good way to look at it is when you're doing a screenplay, look at it like different passes. You know, okay. um, I'll do I'll do like a uh, I'll do a character pass, which just like I'll go through the entire script and I'm just looking at one character and I'm just trying to figure out what their story is, how their words, uh, okay. like how they speak, how they um, what their rhythms are and this and that. Maybe even a few uh, bits of dialogue, like not dialogue, but like vernacular that they use a lot, you know. But and, and also like,
1: like I'm assuming you have to account for like as they change as a character throughout the story, like are they changing too quickly or too slowly or like or are, or are they at all?
0: You know, it's right. the, all those things you got to figure out. And, okay. and often I think one of the most important things for me is to figure out like, what is, how do you introduce a character? Like the introduction of a character is really important. So like I have to, within a couple, I can't even use like a paragraph because to me, that's too much text. But if there's like a couple, if I can just with a couple of lines, say with each character that comes in, I can just introduce them in a way and, and describe their appearance in a way that just clues you into who they are.
1: Right.
0: And then the rest should just take care of itself. You know? And those things are really important. On the first draft, they're not that important. I do try to figure them out, but they're usually really clunky. But the second draft, that's actually what I'm going in and looking for. I'm looking for, like, how do I make everything clear and nothing to be confusing into characters? you know? To, and also, like, on the second draft, I really try to think about, like, is there something that a character, like a trait a character could have? Like, every character, I'll do, like, every character, I'll, I'll think about it in this way. But, like, could they have a trait, like something that... Speaks for them, like you know, for example, if somebody's like just nervously chewing gum a lot, you know, uh, it says a lot, like if, right. if, if, you, if that's you if you do not you, if you just ju- language,
1: it's like body language, yeah.
0: I think about that a lot because I don't want to be like, oh, you when you introduce the character, here's a you know, Ethan 19 years old, I'm nervous, like that's really bad writing, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like it's. I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not allowing you to put it together, I'm telling you, and so right. exactly. You're, so, what I'll do
1: is make the assumption that, like. Your audience is smart, but you have to like set them up in order to do that.
0: yeah, they, because they want to feel like it's fun to read. They don't want to just get facts, you know and and so instead, I'll write something like you know Ethan uh, walks up to whoever but doesn't look him in the eye. You know what I mean? Like some little, some little character clue that says, oh, like this guy can't look this character in the eye or like, or he's nervously like, you know, um, uh, shaking his knee waiting for somebody, you know? Right. And and what does
1: that say about him?
0: Also, what does it say about the situation? Like, why is he nervous? You know, all that. And, And it's those little things that clue an audience in when they don't even realize that they're being clued in as they're reading it. They're just like, they're just reading these little details, but they don't realize that you're setting them up. Right. Right. And that's the kind of stuff that I look for. And I also do like a dialogue pass, which is like I look at all every character's dialogue and I make sure that they have like their own way of speaking. Because one, yeah. one of the problems that I had in my earlier scripts is that everybody kind of sounds the same. Like they, are, yeah. like they are different and you can tell like that's the mom, that's the dad. But generally, they all kind of talk like how I would talk. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure I, I made them different characters, but it's just, like, as you get older and you get better at writing, you realize you can define characters more and more. There's no end to how much you can define a character.
1: No, I remember, like, reading – god, what was that? There was a, uh, a script you were working on years ago that mm-hmm. I, I like – not proofread. I don't know what yeah, you – Yeah, no, what what I probably
0: did, you did ask you to spe- spe- spell check it and all that.
1: But you had me send you – it just, like, okay, like – Make notes on it and stuff like that. And it was so interesting to see the various drafts of that. Um, Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the things that you would go in and change about, like one of them was like there was a one of the characters' wives, Mm -hmm. and you were like really, even though she was like this background character who like Mm -hmm. really did not play into like the major plot at all, you were like, what, like, why is she? She's in the story. I put her in the story, but why have I put her there? She needs to have some kind of role. Like, and you developed this whole history of, like, her relationship with her father. That's, oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember now. And I was like, oh, and it was really interesting to see that process because then our main character, you know, the dude, I think he was a
0: cop, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm.
1: we understood him more based on his relationship with his wife because he was a more fully fleshed out human being. Yeah,
0: and I, I think a lot of the story at the end ended up being, like, he had to uh, rescue his wife at the end. And what I didn't want to do is create a character that just ends up being this like thing you have to rescue, you know? And, and so, and because that works, but what, what, what I wanted to do was if you're invested in that character, and you care about that character and you care about their relationship, um, then, and the dynamic, like, for example, that like, you know, he sacrificed his life for her and they got married and all this kind of stuff. Then what happens is there's a whole history that plays into, uh, the fact that he let her down and she's been kidnapped, and it's more—it's more than just a kidnapping. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. exactly. And and,
0: and th- those are the kinds of things that I'm always looking for, like because that's actually becomes subtext. And um, I think also maybe I look for that stuff a little too much, and maybe that's why sometimes like um, it's a little bit more of an uphill climb for me to sell scripts and things like that because you know, like I'm not dumbing it down. Right. It sounds like an excuse, but it's kind of what it is. Like I'm I'm really trying to layer it, you know. And that's th-
1: explosions in your films.
0: Yeah, and if they are, they have some like existential reason, you know. <laughs> 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 but um, uh, but yeah. So that's kind of our approach. Screenplays. Um, just do different passes. You can do dialogue. You can do. Uh, you can also then I'll, at the end I'll do a pass of just all the stage direction. I want to make sure that it re like I'll go through all the stage direction again and I'll make sure that it reads entertaining. Like I'll kind of like mm-hmm. rewrite the prose a little bit, you know. So it's like fun. Okay. Um, and then. That's for screenplays. And then with movies, is the second draft is just you're tightening it up. You know, you're just going in, you're tightening everything up. And it's, it's not even, I can't even really get into it because the process is so so complicated on movies. We can always do like an episode on that separate, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'd love to like pick your brain. like Yeah, anytime.
1: You know those videos where like people who have never seen Star Wars, like, yeah, yeah, that was the best. Star Wars, yeah. Um,
0: Actually, I yeah. think that's really good because we, we don't know much about each other's like crafts and, uh, you asking me kind of questions that are like really basic is good because then people can kind of approach it from these basic terms that I'm not used to speaking about because like, you know, like I've been doing this so long that I forget where to even like, where, where people even, you know, are confused.
1: Yeah, no, I remember um, I had to, um, at the nonprofit that I work at, I had to um, edit some some video mm-hmm. and um, I was like translating an um, interview <laughs> out of Arabic into English and just like doing very very simple edits um and some credits at the end and I cried um <laughs> I,
0: it, are you, it, yeah you told me I remember now
1: it was so so hard um like to do it because I needed to look professional and like it couldn't look like you had yeah but also doing it and I was like. Oh my god! Like I had this new appreciation for like what it is. It's incredibly hard. About.
0: Yeah. And and you know me, I, I, like in in the time that you've known me, have I ever been like, you know, I, I don't I don't brag about how hard it is or like, or talk like even now as we're talking about this and I'm telling you this stuff. It's probably the first time you've heard me talk about the process.
1: Yeah. No, you never talk about it. No. I, like I ask because i remember like yes. reaching when I reached out to you in this when I was doing this thing. I was like, what the fuck is a keyframe? Yeah yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Hey. And, like, we've been friends for so long. And, I like, you, you've you never talked about, you know... Yeah, what I'm thinking.
0: saying is, like, a lot of directors will, like, they'll... Or, like, not even directors, but anybody in any occupation will try to, like, big up their job. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I do this all day. I'm doing this. It's so hard. And, like, I don't do that because I feel like... Because th- it is really, really hard. But when you start talking, other than, like, in, in this kind of context where you're helping people, you know? But when you start yeah. talking about... Oh, how hard your, your, your job is. And this night, and really what you're trying to do is get people to like, you know, be, be impressed by you. But also I think what happens is when you do that, you are actually reminding yourself of how hard it is and it makes yeah. it harder to do. I think the less you talk about how hard the job is the better because you need to like artists almost need to have amnesia about that stuff.
1: Yes. I remember your, uh, your business partner telling me once cause I reached out to him to help me with this, like, all these editing projects that I had to do. And he's like, listen, I'm going to fucking tell you one time, one time. And that's it. Don't fucking do this. He's like, Martin? "It's the worst shit ever. He's like making films, editing films. I yeah, cannot no. recommend it to anybody. It's the most ridiculous thing. And like, it's not good for your mental and physical health. But if you insist on doing it, here's uh-huh. how we're going to do it. And then it's he true. never brought it up again, but he was like, you're going to do it to yourself and it's going to be hard, but we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to grind it out.
0: Yeah. Um, that's why me and, him, me and him can't handle anybody that whines in that process or complains or, like, because when we're when me and him are making a film together or anything, like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen us on set, but, like, we don't talk. Like, we, we just know what's going on, and we know it's getting late. We're both, like, our feet are freezing. It's cold outside. But, like, don't say anything because all you're doing is reminding each other that this is, like, a shitty situation right now. Instead, just get through it, you know? Yeah. And so when somebody else is complaining, it's so frustrating.
1: Well, it's also the same when I see you guys like, edit it because, like, I mean, from what I understand from what you do, like, kind of being out, like, filming something is, like, the reason that you do it because you love that part of it. Yeah, I
0: actually love being on set more than anything, and it's, like, one of, the, one of the kind of, like, heartaches of, like, being a filmmaker. I think I'm not the only one. A lot of filmmakers, even successful filmmakers, relate to this because think about, like, even the really successful ones, they really only get to be on set, like, what, once every two or three years? Right? Yeah. Unless they're Ridley Scott who's making two years a mo- uh, two movies a year. That's, but that's like, that guy's a beast. And so, you know, every filmmaker knows. It's not like what, our art, it's not like a guitar. We can't pick it up and just start playing,
1: you know? Yeah, there's so many people and, involved. Like, it seems like a fucking miracle that anything ever gets made anyway. But like, Yeah,
0: that's also that's- why sometimes I have downtime. I don't make a lot of films because I get kind of burnt out of the process. You know, like, I have to, like, recharge.
1: Because I see you guys editing. Like, so much of, of your editing process is literally from like 9 a.m. till 7 p.m. sitting at your laptop or in your like computers yeah. like with headphones on editing sound like the same clips just these so little my
0: noise. yeah these little tedious things yeah um yeah it's 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 difficult but you know it's like it's that process like when you saw us making uh, when you saw us editing the film what we were doing we were doing our second third fourth draft we were just refining it a little bit at a time and like you can just see and what it was is you're really frustrated with the movie that's actually a good thing Mm -hmm. to talk about that first draft you might be whether it's a screenplay or a movie uh maybe even with poetry it's like you might be frustrated with it and be like oh why can't i write like how other people write like oh i had i had imagined it to be this way and now that now that it's on paper it doesn't feel the way that i thought you know what i mean yeah
1: there's definitely a time when like the story no longer belongs to you it belongs to itself Mm -hmm. and like you have to let it be what it is
0: yeah, but what I'm saying is sometimes you have – I'm sure sometimes you have, like, an idea for something. You go to write it, and as you write it down, you look at it, and it kind of, like, didn't come out the way you had it in your head. Yeah. Even though you did all the right things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what happens is with the second draft – like, that's kind of movies, is too. So that first draft – like, every, every filmmaker ever talks about this. This is such common knowledge in the filmmaking circles, which is that the first assembly, which is, like, this first draft, essentially. It's, like – it's not even the first draft. It's, like, an assembly. We put all the footage together, you know? Mm-hmm. No director can watch that without, like, going into depression for a month.
1: <laughs>
0: it's, it's a known thing. Chris Nolan, who did all the Batman movies and just did Dunkirk and all that, he skips his assemblies. He won't watch them.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Yeah. So um, that's the thing. Like, this, sometimes at your first draft, whatever it is, it can make you feel. My headphones came out. <laughs> I mean... Can you hear me? Yeah.
1: You were talking about being a hack. <laughs> that was
0: a, that was like a real moment.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Our first podcast failure. Well, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about being a hack. Yeah. But whatever that feeling is that like unconfident feeling of like, you know, your thing doesn't look like the thing that you want it to look like. The more you refine it and the more you work on it, the more drafts you do. And even with the film, you saw you were there for that process when the film was starting to come together at the end. It was like, yeah. oh, it's working. It's working. Like it wasn't working before, and now it's working. And it's like, and it, and it sometimes takes like three months for you to hit that moment where you're like, oh shit, now it's working.
1: Well, it's it was really helpful for me when I was putting my book together um, to have because I thought that I could like <laughs> because I don't know anything about anything. Um, and I'm impatient <laughs> and impulsive and and brash. Like my friend was telling me.
0: Well, you I were, could, like, but yeah, go on.
1: Write and edit and publish a book in like 4 months remember that yep
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god the absolute arrogance honestly Well, what it was um, is you, and every
0: filmmaker starts like this an artist too like you had it you had a plan you had like you know, like, and
1: you have to, like, honestly, I, I needed to do that. And I will tell you that, of like, course, you do. You, 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 you have to approach it that way because if you don't and you know how long it's actually going to take, you'll never fucking make and it. And that's
0: what I meant about like the amnesia part. Where, like, you kind of have to, like, and now you have to forget about it. You know what I mean? Now that you've done it, you have to forget about it because next time around, you're going to do that again and you have to convince yourself you can do it in four months.
1: Exactly. You know, um, you know? but but working with you guys, where like everything takes so long and like you get in these like kind of tedious these tedious moments and and those moments can sometimes be weeks and sometimes they can be months um we're just kind of like back breaking mind numbing work it was really helpful because i i got into that place when i was like editing and putting my book together and like um so i you just made me realize when when i was in those like that second round and i was kind of editing these these poems down and like i didn't want to look at them at all because I'd written them so long ago, and I wanted nothing to do with them. Even now, it's, it's just work. Now. Yeah. The other day, like I had to edit the Kindle edition, and uh, I was like, I still fucking hate this book. Yeah, i like, might like that with *To Bright
0: with Hearts*. It's like so hard to look at.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, But I, uh I just had to like understand that, like, you get about two thirds of the way through editing, and you're like, listen, if you don't hate it, you're not editing enough. Yeah. Like, you. be a little bit miserable and that's when you know that like at least through certain at
0: least through certain processes like certain parts of the process i think like especially the second draft isn't that painful but i think finishing is very painful
1: yes i was in the second the second edit of like i was finishing up the poems second draft so like it was kind of like their final as as individual poems because like when you're putting together like a like a collection Mm -hmm. you, you the individual poems have to work on their own, but then also they have to work within the larger collection. And so for me, I had that third, that third stage of editing right. where I had to kind of fit them all together. And there were a lot of things that I wanted to include um, that ended up not being included because they just didn't work in the larger story. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it's, a, it's when you got to kill your babies.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, which I, which to, I think is
0: part of the reason that we get burnt out as filmmakers and artists and whatever. is because we have to kill our babies. And afterwards, it is a little, like, exhausting.
1: Well, because there were, there were a few that, like, even now that, like, I really loved yeah. because it means something to me. But, like, I didn't get the words quite right. Yeah, or I couldn't it, yeah. say that exact thing that I wanted to say. And it wasn't strong enough mm-hmm. to belong. And if you don't absolutely believe that, like, it deserves to be there, then it has to go.
0: exactly.
1: And um, so what I would do and this is just kind of how I work, and I think it just it goes back to my days of, like, of painting, is that I do have to pin everything up on a wall.
0: Oh, and, right, you did, um, yeah, yeah. I remember, you, I remember you doing that or telling me about it and stuff, and it's not how my brain works, but it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, like, I had to actually, like, so I designed everything in, in like, PDF format, and then I went in and then I printed them what I thought I kind of wanted to look like. Mm-hmm. Like, from the, from the very first page to the very last page, kind of what I wanted to look like. And then I just thumbtacked it and taped it up on the wall in my living room and uh, in my house in New York, and I would walk by it, and I would kind of rearrange, like, what order I needed to be in because I'm just a super visual person. Yeah, yeah. Um, And there were things, like I said, that I wanted to include that I just couldn't because they didn't didn't belong. And actually, my collection ended up being a lot smaller um, than I had originally planned and kind of wanted Mm -hmm. um, because I needed to edit it down, and I wish –
0: that more poet. well i'm I'm gonna say something and i'm gonna forget um you just made me realize a really important point and it's not really related to second drafts and stuff but it's an important point just in general when it comes to art um so i've been thinking a lot about about about, like what makes a great album you know or what makes Mm -hmm. a great movie and for me i figured out something it's the idea of like i almost have to and i used to be the kind of writer that was very precise like i only wrote Mm -hmm. what i needed and now 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 i almost like as a writer with, with the script, I try to overwrite. I try to get to a point where when I need 90 pages, I want to write 120 pages. It has to be solid, right? Nothing in there has to be stuff like this. They can't be any fat. But when it when, when I then edit the film in the editing process and the actual one I've shot it, it'll start to come down. Like, come down to yes. 70 because all that stuff will somehow inform everything. And I've been thinking about albums, too. It's like the best way to make a great album, and that's just, I think all band, like a lot of bands do this wrong, is that – they go in the studio and they might record like 12 or 13 or 14 tracks and then they delete two and the rest of it is the album, you know? Yeah. But the way you should do it, I think a lot of the great artists do it like this is like you record a hundred songs yeah, and, and out of those hundred, 12 are going to be amazing. And those 12 become your record. And of course your records will be better than the other guys because he only took 12 tries at it. You took a hundred at it.
1: No, absolutely. I think that like, and that's kind of like, why i have like a weird relationship with my book because i i've written hundreds and hundreds of poems um and that one has like 50 poems in it maybe and some of them are really small and some of them are not things that i think stand alone they're not meant to stand alone no it's
0: it's they work in that particular collection
1: yes and and i think that like we need to start looking at kind of work in that context um, mm-hmm. That some that some pieces.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, you're right. Of
1: art belong. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, they, well, they so... only work in that sort of way. Like I can't. A lot yeah. of those poems, like I would never post somewhere else because they don't work on their own. Well, it's um, very similar, um, similar to like. Work
0: work. But it, I, I, it's kind of similar to like scenes, right? Like you can take a scene out of a movie, but you can't just pop it into another movie.
1: But or like there are some scenes in a movie that like people. People talk about and they post them up on YouTube where they like.
0: But even when they do, but even when they do, those scenes don't work on their own. Like they're just they're cool to watch and stuff. But like, you know, on their own, like they don't have any context. They don't really make any sense. You kind of get the gist of it and stuff. But like scenes scenes work with context. They only work, like if you take a scene out of a movie on its own and you don't have any context, it's kind of flat. Yeah, the emotion.
1: You don't understand the emotion. Exactly.
0: And I think your your poems, those particular poems, are very similar. If they're not in that collection, they're not like on their own they don't mean much but when you when you see the, the poetry collection what it's about what you're trying to say then suddenly they mean a lot
1: exactly and like uh, a lot of the the, the poetry collections that mm-hmm. that i love um tend to be a lot smaller like more like chat books mm-hmm. than like these kind of huge like novel size that i purchased like some yeah. some um modern poetry collections Uh, recently that are just like overstuffed and I'm like I just want to rip some of the pages out not because the poems aren't good but just because they don't belong together to me well
0: Um,
1: I'm like who edited this or didn't
0: I know you uh, I know I know how much you love Chris Brown but uh he just released an album yeah (laughs) he just released an album (laughs) and it's got like I don't know 40 tracks on it right and I'm, I'm guessing it's to like you know to bump up the streaming numbers right but uh, but what I'm saying is like that's a perfect example of like I feel like that project would be way more digestible if it was like 12 tracks. Like I have I don't even know how to approach it. Like I, I'm not a huge Chris Brown fan, but it's a couple of two tracks that I like. So I'm I'm curious. I do think he is one of those people that's like uh, unbelievably talented, but might be like a terrible human being. You know? Um, I mean,
1: might be is like probably like not the right word. To well, say no, we, we we
0: know he's like, <laughs> like we know he's a troubled human being. He's but a I'm,
1: bad person. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, no.
0: And and yeah. so. But if it, if if the project was like more digestible, I think I'd probably, you know, be into it. But forty um, something tracks is like really hard to make your way through, you know.
1: Well, it just goes to show you, like, he released like close to close to a hundred songs this last year, mm-hmm. and I don't know a single fucking one.
0: Yeah, no, me either. I know one. Them... I know one song, and I love it. And like, that's I think that's kind of why I like want to check it out and. Um, I don't know what project that's from. I have no idea. I just saw a video, and it was like I was I was like shocked that he sang it because I'm not a fan, and um, right. and uh, yeah, it's bizarre. He's released like four albums, and all, each have like I don't know 40 songs on them or something, and maybe it's working for him. Obviously, it is. But um, my point is, I- I'm a fan of conciseness. I'm a fan. a I'm I'm a fan of looking at an album and going, an art an artist tried to communicate something, didn't just dump 40 songs on it.
1: But I think it's also, like, like recognizing that, like, there's so much amazing art out there and mm-hmm. that people have such a short, like, attention span. More so now than ever. Mind. And, like, yes. And, like, I respect my readers' time. And, like, if they are going to sit down with my work, I want to make sure that I'm giving them the best work possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that you have to, like, really embrace, embrace editing in order to do that. I agree. Um, I agree.
0: And, if, by the way, if anybody's listening has any questions as far as, like, you know, particular questions about second drafts and editing that we may not have covered or, you know, that, or that you might be dealing with right now, certain troubleshooting like problems and stuff. Just, uh, just get us on Twitter and, and we'll cover it.
1: Yeah. We'll come I, back will, to it. I will tell you that your problem's not good.
0: <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right. Let's just do recommendations <laughs> and we'll wrap it up. Cause we're reaching an hour. Okay. Okay. Um, you go first.
1: I always go first.
0: Okay, cool. Is, is it a Sarah's Polish corner or no?
1: It actually is not serious Polish. Okay, we're going to make a theme
0: for that. And anytime you have something Polish, we'll like, we'll bust it out.
1: (laughs) I want you to play like polka music. Yeah, I need
0: like a board that has like sound on it. So as we're talking, I can like press buttons.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I need that.
0: Um, (laughs) Like farting sounds and stuff. Anyway, um,
1: um, (laughs) so what is your recommendation? It's not, it's not Polish today. Um, I'm actually going to recommend Hisham Matar's book, uh, his kind of memoir. What I said, Gusun Why, because <laughs> I
0: don't know what, what you just said.
1: <laughs> His name, you asshole. <laughs>
0: I'm a brown racist.
1: <laughs> oh my god, Michelle Mazar um, is a Libyan writer. Yeah, um, he's incredible, and um, I kind of worship him a little mm-hmm. bit, even though he's not Polish. Um, <laughs> and he wrote this beautiful prize winning. Book called uh, *The Return: Father's Sons in the Land in Between*, in which he goes back to Libya um, to find his father who disappeared under the Gaddafi regime. Is
0: it a uh, is it fiction or nonfiction?
1: It's nonfiction. So it's his story. It's his personal story. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but it goes into the history of the regime and the fall of the regime and kind of the aftermath of the Libyan people, which I didn't really know much about.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but my, well, my grandfather is Italian and um, he was in Libya. Uh, and that has a whole kind of bloody history of colonization that right. I'm like kind of grappling with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so really wanted to read uh, to read this. and it's not, not- just-
0: Sorry, go on.
1: It's just beautiful. Like, I, I'm really in this place now where, like, oh, I was talking earlier about, like, some people want to read wide and some people want to read deep. Yeah. And I think that if I just spent the rest of my life reading works that are translated, um, I, could, I could be happy. Like, I'll oh, no- What is that? What? what book again. Can you articulate
0: um, why? Like, why, why translated?
1: You know what I'm going to do for the next episode, actually? Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to bring you a list of quotes. Um, That's a good
0: idea. Um, That's
1: cool. Yeah, translated out of Arabic, translated out of Polish, and translated out of um, out of Italian. In the case of Jhumpa Lahiri, who um, is Bengali American but writes in Italian now, and because um, I want to explain why the sentences work so beautifully, and those are all like these are all prize-winning, Pulitzer-winning authors, and I think it's because the cadence of something. The cadence of I see what
0: you're saying because the rhythms of the language are different, and if you capture it right, yeah. then it changes the English language too.
1: Exactly. Interesting. It's, it's the, and because, like, it's, especially Italian and Arabic, um, Polish less so, unfortunately, um, Have just this kind of beautiful rhythm to it to begin with, that kind of comes into the translation if you have a good translator, um, and there's just something really, really special about the word choices there, um, which we can we can get into in an in yeah. episode. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend um, his his memoir, or even his. I'm I'm currently reading his other book, um, his first book, the in the country of men, mm-hmm. and it's a novel, and it has probably it's almost kicked out. Steinbeck's Cannery Row is like my top opening, wow. like paragraph.
0: I know why she ever, loves Steinbeck. Ever,
1: so, um, yes, that would be my recommendation. What is- you know
0: would be really cool? if we, we should add another segment to the show at the end or at the beginning where you just pull out, like, either quotes or poems. Like, like, you know, keeping them short and stuff, but something that's just like, oh, look, this is really cool. Look how this is written. And maybe we can introduce people to, like, you know, why something is good or why you like something. Or, or even that they can go and read themselves. But I think that would be cool if you just pulled out some quotes. And, like, even, even the translation thing that you were just saying, we do it in the same section. I was
1: translating some Russian, uh, some Russian poetry last night um, by Brodsky mm-hmm. on my Instagram story. I was like, I'm going to tell everyone a, a bedtime story um, <laughs> and of, of Russian poetry. So I said tonight I was going to do some Ukrainian. Um, so there, there will be and that. you could, I could definitely do it here too. So.
0: And you could also always just call into your anchor yourself and leave little voice notes. Like just read gonna, poems yeah. out. You could just read little poems off and be like, this is a cool one that I just read. And like maybe nobody's interested, but I think slowly people will start to find it and they will be interested.
1: Um, it's funny you say that because I'm so used to like you taking the lead on this. Like we both have, I know, like, I know anchor, anchor accounts, but you do all of the, work well, all, cause all
0: the podcasts are essentially on my account, but people following me are going to be curious about you. And at some point they're going to find your anchor account. You can still leave notes, like you don't have to use yours as a podcast. That's not what anchor is for. That's just like what it also does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause they, I just post them up through like through the I- iTunes and, and, uh, stuff like that. So that's yeah. how I listen like to our podcast. But, yeah, uh, so,
0: but you can leave little voice notes on Anchor. So anybody who follows you on Anchor, and you can put it on I Twitter. Love that. Yeah, it beca- it's, it's a cool way to just communicate with your fans. You know? I'm going to start doing more of that too. I like, guess I'm driving. If I think of anything, I might be like, oh, by the way, I'm thinking of anamorphic lenses. This is what I had this thought, you know?
1: Much a ruin anchor with poetry. Exactly. Let's take over. Um, so, what's your
0: recommendation? My recommendation is well, actually what's really funny about our recommendations. I was just thinking that it's like my favorite thing about them is like you always come up with this like highbrow Pulitzer Prize winning, Nobel Prize winning something something, Polish, and, and then I'm like, but I like wheelman. <laughs> <laughs> there's cars. They get they chase and there's like adrenaline. <laughs>
1: And I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it all to Travis Scott.
0: Travis Scott, uh, 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 boy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my. you uh, such a Brampton boy, like. It's, yeah. it's So funny
1: to me. I'll have my
0: moments. I'll have moments when I'll be like, I'll recommend a Kubrick movie or some abstract thing. But like, I want to be honest. I think when I was younger, I would have recommended stuff that I think would make me look cool. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And now yeah. I'm
0: just like, no, this is what I'm listening to, and it's dope, and you should too. Um,
1: yeah, and and the opposite of me, like, I'm I'm sitting here just like needing to like accept that like i'm a little bit of a pretentious asshole no
0: no but, but and, it's like, not that's pretentious that's because that's you read I this have. stuff no, this is stuff like, you love
1: like but like if you don't know me i'm just like sitting around like yeah but don't you, know. you think
0: that's like the that's the yin and yang of the podcast you know what i mean A uh, brampton blue oh, collar boy absolutely. with like
1: <laughs> you're such like a brampton dude and i'm such like a like a prissy dc white bitch yeah, yeah. like that's that's that's, that's
0: that's the dope chemistry um <laughs> So my recommendation for the week is uh, a comedy special on Netflix called um, – actually, I don't know what it's called, but his, the, the, the dude's name is uh, Hassan Minhaj. And I think he is a correspondent on The Daily Show. I think he that's
1: also, he... like, roasted – he did the, right, the White
0: House. That's so- right. I, I, don't, I didn't know anything about him until I saw this thing. I heard, him, I heard him on some podcasts. I was this guy's interesting. I'll check him out. And I saw the po- – and I watched it. And what's interesting is that he's a Muslim guy who grew up in India. I think it was India. And, um, yeah. Yeah. He grew up in India and, you know, his parents immigrated to the United States. And so he tells his story as like, you know, a child of, well, actually he's an immigrant too, essentially. Right. No, he's not. He was born here. He was born here. So, um, he tells essentially a story of like me, you know what I mean? Like I relate to it so much. And I think a lot of people that are like South Asian or even just any kind of immigrants and stuff will watch that. And it's all the same story, you know? And, um, it's it's so funny and relatable. I put it on. I, I watched it myself. I watched half of it. I was dying. I went downstairs, my mom was there and I had to go pick up the kids later. So I just put it on for her, I was like, You should watch this. And she was kinda like, uh, eh, you know, young guy and he's like swearing on stage and stuff. My mom's kinda conservative and but whatever, she watched it. I could, I could I couldn't tell if she liked it and I had to leave to go pick up the kids, right? Mm-hmm. so i'm just like okay well you can turn it off now it's cool like i can tell like you know it's a bit s- too much swearing for you and stuff so i put my shoes on i'm leaving and as i'm leaving i can see she's put it back on and she's watching the rest <laughs> she
1: like, just doesn't want to know that, like her baby listens to like swear she was just
0: uncomfortable watching it around us you know and and the kids were there too oh no they weren't they weren't it was just uh no yana was there but i was going to pick up zan that's right and um so we were laughing, but you watched the rest of it, and it's just—it's—it's it's just a great special. He's funny. Um, if you're at all interested in the South Asian kind of immigrant story, it's like all in there, and it's told in an entertaining way, and like a passionate kind of like uh, very funny, modern, and also like super humble. And um, you know, what's—I mean, amu-
1: not amusing to me, but interesting to me—is um, that like you—you you are so like pleased and tickled to have found this yeah because like oh well wow, like that's my story like the first time you ever saw like fresh off the boat you're like oh my god like it's, i can like relate to this but what's interesting is like your kids like that's so normal to them
0: so normal to them yeah to them, to them it's, it's more um, like the story yeah. of their dad
1: right to have media like that
0: oh, that oh i see what you're saying, media that who, that are, who see themselves like reflected them in media yeah no we didn't have that we always talk about yeah. that um it's interesting because when I saw them, there was an HBO show called The Night Of, and which I might as well recommend as well. It's got Riz, Riz Ahmed in it, and he uh, is this, like, Pakistani Muslim kid who gets accused of murdering this white girl, and he doesn't remember doing it, but there's a chance that he might have done it because he got drunk, and she mixed something into his drinks and whatever. But our our thing is watching it, like, did he do it or didn't he do it, you know? And yeah. it's, an eight, it's like, an eight-part, I think, HBO series, and it's the first time that I'd ever watched something where the main character was, like, in, a North American Pakistani, but you know, like American kid, like a Canadian kid, you know, like raised here. And I, 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 I told my friend afterwards, I was like, after watching that, I realized that there's a possibility that white people growing up in North America actually had a much closer connection to cinema and stuff than I ever did, even though I love cinema, but I realized that I might've been one step removed and that's why I'm a filmmaker. That, that like, I look I, I you know, like I had empathy for all these stories and stuff, but they weren't my stories.
1: Well right, you like, couldn't relate to them. I know
0: I could relate to them, but, but in the way that like storytelling makes you relate to something, you know?
1: Yes, but not in yeah, technically exactly. personalized. But I just but story. I always
0: thought that was the only way you relate to stuff. So when I saw The Night of, it was so hard for me to watch. Like like I've never sat and watched something that was difficult for me to watch to that degree because I saw myself reflected in it. I saw my family reflected in it. I saw my brother reflected in it. And it was, it was just, it was too much. Like it was like, it was almost like a horror movie. I watched the whole thing, but like, it was intense. I was emotional. And I realized, wait, this is like how most people would have probably watched TV. Like if you're watching your, you know, if you're like you growing up watching a white person on TV and seeing your story in it, you'd be much more emotionally charged than I was.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So it's, it's it's fascinating. It made me realize that maybe as a kid we were kind of, like, missing something. By Because I've never looked at it as a weakness, like, that, you know, that, like, I was a minority and this and that. But it made me wonder, like, maybe there is something where it's just, like, and also maybe that's why I'm a filmmaker. Because, you know, like, I have that one step removed and I have a little bit of distance from the whole thing.
1: Right. And remember you explained, like, um, filmmaking once to me as, like, You're the guy at the very end of a really, really huge paintbrush.
0: Yeah, it's Fincher's quote. It's what? It's David Fincher's quote. I told you David Fincher. No, I told you David Fincher had this quote where it's a great quote. It's um, filmmaking is like painting with a giant brush except 500 people are holding the brush and the sun's going down. And you're saying a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. Yeah, so, like, I can see
1: you, like, the guy that's, like, the very back of it, and, like, you know, like, you're so, you're so removed from it, but, like, you're still so moved by it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I wonder if, like, if, if everybody on TV-, TV had been brown if I would have been a filmmaker because I might have been too close to it.
1: Interesting. Do you know what
0: I'm saying? Like, I was I was able to be a little bit more analytical about stories because they weren't about me. And I, not, I, I didn't know any of this. I only realized that watching Night Of and then watching uh, – like you can uh,
1: critique it because it's not—it wasn't as personal to you, maybe. Yeah, like other
0: I, yeah. Just like like what I'm saying is, I had one eye outside watching the thing, whereas when I was watching Night of, I couldn't remove myself from it. I was in it.
1: Yeah, what's happening to you? Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, it's two recommendations for me: Night of and Hasan Minhaj. And Hasan Minhaj is hilarious. I, I think this guy's just, this kid's gonna be huge.
1: I just want to point out that on the yeah. first episode, you told me that I wasn't allowed to recommend two things, and you have consistently done it. Uh,
0: I think um, my friend Rory once said to me, um, you know, do do as I say, don't do as I do.
1: Okay, cool. As long as, <laughs> as long as we're clear about how the rules are different for me than they are for you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I, I guess we'll change the rules. You can recommend two things too now. <laughs>
1: It's fine. I'm only going to recommend Polish things, like I said. So. All right.
0: All right. Twitter handles.
1: Sarah's Angela across everything.
0: Man, I wish I could say that. Mine's like Dude, mine's like it's either at eyes or it's at eyes was here or it's at eyes war. And like I can't get eyes.
1: And also eyes is spelled like all wonky. Yeah. So it's like
0: the best thing to do is just like, you know, take an hour off and try to find me. <laughs> yeah, go, go so <laughs> yeah actually i might actually make my
1: brand myself
0: i might actually start hiding my social media in like corners of the internet and make it like fun for people to try to find
1: <laughs> it'll be like clue but in the end they don't get to find like the murderer they just find you. there's no prize or anything yeah you're the prize like <laughs> <them>. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right so um yeah, that's it. I guess that's the episode for, tonight, for today, and we'll come back with something else cool next time. I don't even know what yet. We'll just pull pull some bullshit together. <laughs>
1: that's, that's literally what I did tonight, my
0: friend. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you guys are enjoying this. Love you, and see you next time. Bye. Bye.